This is the Touchy Subjects Podcast. My name is Erin Billings, and I am your host. On this episode, the touchy subject that we are going to discuss is mental health, and our panel consists of Dr. Jordan Wilson, a pastor from Birmingham, Alabama, Lexi Smith, a trauma-informed consultant and human rights activist, and Amber Green, a licensed mental health counselor. Hope you guys enjoy. Um, Jordan, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, what can churches do to promote good mental health? Well, it's kind of uh, convoluted in some ways, but I don't think it has to be as uh, complex as people make it to be. Um, when I was listening to Lexi, I know this sounds kind of like a, a preaching uh, cliche. We have to go from the pathetic to the empathetic. Um, we're very pathetic about our ability to show care for people. Um, I, I think of the story of the Good Samaritan. People kept on walking by this guy who was pretty much destitute. He, he really didn't have anything, but somebody actually stopped and took the time to listen to this person. And if there's anything I could ever say uh, on this topic, is just stop. Don't just think about yourself. Uh, don't just think about your own feelings. Think, think about what other people feel, uh, because the way I feel about something is going to be totally different than what another person feels. Uh, something I, I think is really important is that we um, collaborate. It's, it's okay for the church to go outside the four walls and look for different organizations that focus on uh, mental health. I, I know several people in our church uh, deal with this on a regular basis as well, and they're great resources. Um, we we, we do, deal with the Department of Health Services. They have great social workers there and people that are uh, licensed in counseling as well, uh, and we, we've sent people there uh, as well. We have uh, also trained people within the church as well, even though they may not be licensed. Um, counselors have people that are willing and have what I call empathy, that can just come alongside somebody and listen to what they have to say, be there, be a shoulder to cry on, because some people will cry. Some people will, uh, like one person I, I would say as a client comes in and screams at me and cusses me out. I mean, that's exactly what they do. And I sit there, I smile at the end of that session or at the time we talk, I call it a conversation. Uh, I try to be more practical than, than anything. It's a conversation we have. Um, it doesn't matter what they say to me, how they how they treat me personally. By the end of that, they realize I really care and love them because I stopped and took the time to listen to them. And I made myself and other resources available to them. So the best thing I could offer is simply not be pathetic, but be empathetic, as Lexi was saying. Amber, as a counselor, do you know of any good resources that you could send out there just uh, kind of off the top of your head to help pastors? Um, Jordan just mentioned a bunch of good ones, but you might know of some other um, ones. Yeah, I think the um, National Alliance of Mental Health Institute, I, I'm short, I think shortened to NAMI, um, 
is really great one. There's a lot of good resources for people who work in medical professions, mental health professionals, and then those who are just, um, you know, everyday people and that kind of thing. Um, I think that if you go to, um, I mean, even on social media, there's some accounts like the Real Depression Project. Um, it's a nonprofit. Um, they talk um about like what depression looks like, what anxiety looks like, what it like, just giving signs and signals to people so that it's not being undercut as like, you know, oh, they're just acting crazy today or something, but like, no, they're really like dealing with something. Um, And I also would say like, you know, if you don't know, it's always better to ask a question. Um, And chances are there is probably somebody in your church that has a little bit more knowledge than than you do and that kind of thing um, like Jordan was saying. So I, um, but I mean, like, I don't know. I, to me, I'm like, I, I hate to use simplify it, but like Google it. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you don't know, Google it. And then, I mean, obviously look at credible sources, but there's plenty of free trainings and free resources out there. Um, I know in the state of North Carolina, and I believe that this is nationwide too, there is a mental health first aid training that you can take completely for free. Um, and it literally will tell you what um, signs and signals are of a mental health distress looks like, how you can approach it, how you can help deescalate that person in the moment. Um, I took this training um, while I was in grad school. And I will tell you that like, cannot tell you how many times that has helped me in a school setting or like Jordan was saying, like having a client that is just irate, you know, and helping them with deescalating and not using the words, you just need to calm down, but more so approaching them with like, what do you need right now? Like, okay, can we take a breath together? You know, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is a fantastic training. They have one for adults and they also have one for um, children and um, teenagers as well. Um, um, but it is a mental health first aid and it's fantastic. Sounds like it. Um, Lexi, do you have anything to add? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I I totally agree with Amber. I think, um, crisis care skills is a hundred percent necessary and should be required, you know, as part of like pastoral degrees. I don't know why it's not. Um, but it should, and you can easily get, you know, cert- a certification in, in crisis, you know, response, um, or, you know, even things she just mentioned. But I think the biggest thing is for the church is stay in your damn lane. <laughs> like, do not think that you can treat somebody with extensive mental health issues to the extent of we're dealing with suicidal ideation. That is serious. We're dealing with um, addiction that is also very serious. Um, eating disorders, PTSD, like all types of <clears throat> really like high level things. They need to go see the proper professional, and that person probably needs to be at a, like a doctorate level, not just a, a Christian counselor. Like they're great for a lot of things, but for those things, no, like. We need a higher level of care there. Um, And people's mental health, um, you know, crisis struggles, however you want to phrase it, is not like your ministry opportunity as a church or as an individual. If you come across someone that, you know, shares, hey, I'm struggling with anxiety, 
this shouldn't you like if your response in your mind and your heart is like, oh, yeah, like God sent me someone to, you know, provide ministry to. No, no, ma'am. Absolutely not. No, you can be a friend. You can be a support system. You can be ha- have coffee with them. You can provide community. And that's where it stops. No more. <laughs> like that's where someone else needs to come in, provide those, those other things. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my, <laughs> I did a Lexi 1000%. Yes. Like I think that is my biggest pet peeve 100% when I get a client and they say, Oh, well, I talked to my pastor about this and he told me X, Y, Z. And I'm like, there's so much damage and there's so much undoing and it is so much easier to add in a coping skill than it is to take away something that I'm like, this is not going to work for you. This has not been working and we have to work through the process of undoing. So I 1000% agree. Like when it goes above your pay grade, let's refer, let's, I mean, I'm not a medical professional. I can't be telling people that like, hey, you probably need surgery or something and I can perform that surgery. Like that would be so inappropriate. So it should be no different in the church world of like, hey, you probably need therapy, but I'm going to give you the therapy because, you know, I got this. I've, I've dealt with talking to somebody with anxiety before. No, like, no. So, okay, since we kind of got here, um, this is off the cuff. This is not something we prepared, but Christian counseling versus secular counseling, for lack of a better word. Um, What do y'all think about that? Because I know, for example, in my family, it would be unheard of to go to a secular counselor, Christian counselor all the way. However, I don't always think that it's the best course of action. Uh, Any takers? I think it depends on what you're dealing with. So that's what I will start off by saying. Um, Because I don't know that like everyone is going to be as open with the Christian counselor on staff of your church, if you're dealing with a marital issue that might have to be um, sexually related, they may not be as open. So maybe in that setting, a secular counselor would be more appropriate. Um, The other thing is too, is I would say, do your homework on who your counselor is, because just because they're not advertising as a Christian counselor doesn't mean they don't have Christian fundamentals and they can't guide you through an element of spirituality. That is a class that every single licensed therapist has to take is religion and spirituality. So even if it's not something I believe, I still have an understanding that it is a part of who you are. And I can be in a position that I have a willingness to counsel you through that. Or if I don't really understand, like I have clients who um, are Muslim, I don't have a full understanding of that religion because I didn't grow up that way, but I can ask questions and I can have conversations about how their faith and how their spirituality relates to their therapeutic journey. Um, I personally do not advertise myself as a Christian counselor on purpose because I want people to come in and not have some preconceived notion about who I am and what judgments I might be making on their life, even though there are none. I'm not there to judge you. I'm there to help you and listen. Um, but I personally don't advertise that, but I know that people have come in and they've said, is it okay that I talk about something that deals with my spiritual life? And I'm like, absolutely. And then I'll start talking about girl. I went to private school my whole life. Oh, I have a Bible minor, like things like that. where They're like, Oh my gosh, you do like, but that shouldn't be like, I, like I said, I think it has to be based on what you're dealing with. Now, if you're dealing with something that you feel like is a deeply spiritual thing, 
go for the Christian counselor, go for pastoral counseling and that kind of stuff. It, if it happens to intersect with some anxiety um, or depression or maybe some past trauma into your spirituality and you feel like that's a high value of importance, find somebody who's going to meet that need for you. Um, but do your homework. You can always interview your counselors and you can always change your mind and say, this isn't a good fit. And I need to find someone that is a good fit. Like that's totally appropriate. Yeah, that's a great point. Since you mentioned, um, more of like crisis and trauma, Lexi, this is really your, your lane. I just, when, when do you know that it's not just your kind of standard anxiety, depression, and this is more serious and it might be complex PTSD, anything like that? When do you know that, oh, I'm, I need some really serious counseling? I think looking at how much it's disrupting their life. So if someone's talking about, I can't sleep, I can't eat. I, I got fired, um, or I'm having a hard time working. Um, I can't, you know, interact with my spouse, my kids. Um, that's pretty significant. That's not just like, oh, I'm nervous to meet new people and start a conversation. <laughs> um, that's, that's really significant. Uh, and I think um, another thing too, just kind of uh, areas that I think is would be good for anyone, you know, working for a church to have a background and understanding. Um, my, my favorite is ACEs and just kind of gaining an ear to listen to people's stories. And as you're listening, you can kind of go through that ACE. It's like a 10 questionnaire thing and you can hear like, okay, from what this person has just briefly told me, their ACE score is a four or a six or whatever. And Based on that alone, they're likely going to be dealing with these different significant issues that they might have not disclosed to me. Um, but so I'm going to refer them to somebody else. That's that's what I think is kind of like wh where the where the line is. Um, yeah, sorry, it, it stands for adverse childhood experiences. It, and um, you and said there's that was tons and tons Can you of spell books that for and me? podcasts and. All, all sorts of things galore on that. But um, basically it's, it's an assessment on, you know, someone's experience growing up and uh, what that, their home environment was like. Um, and you'll be surprised. A lot of kids that grew up in Christian homes, you know, homes that you would not expect, you know, things were going on. They still experienced some neglect and, and abuse in different areas to a degree that, that did affect them. Um, and, based on what someone's score is, the higher their score, the higher likelihood they're going to deal with significant mental health issues and even physical issues. It, it does translate, a lot of it translates biologically as well. Um, and so making sure that, you know, you're, you're caring for your people in the way that they need to be cared for. And if it goes beyond, you know, the, your capacity, you're connecting them with, with people that, that you know and trust. And, and I think um, Pastor Jordan kind of touched on this, but like finding those connections in, in your community and, you know, taking some counselors out to lunch and figuring out what people specialize in, maybe going to different, um, you know, meet and greets, stuff like that, you know, happens fairly often or, you know, people, therapists are very willing 
I think to speak to someone on the phone, have a brief conversation and even developing a relationship with, uh, there's lots of crisis care units, I think all over the country um, and developing a relationship with them and, and even getting an understanding for what hotlines might even be a good option um, in providing to those um, within your congregation that are especially unstable. Um, and the reason why that's important is because even if someone is in therapy with the right person, they're likely still going to reach out to you as a pastor or you as a youth leader or you as someone in their life that they feel that they trust, um, maybe even more so than their therapist until that trust and bond is kind of built there. And so you need to make sure you have the right tools to redirect them and make, make sure that you're not taking on more than you really need to or should be. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Pastor, so I'm just going to ask you, um, I, I know as somebody who's worked in church ministry for a long time, people come up to you with every possible ailment in the world for you to pray for. Um, and I know that that can sometimes be overwhelming as a church staff member, um, and I can't imagine how it must be as a pastor because you've got the entire church coming for you. Um, what can you say out there to pastoral leadership, church leadership, um, what they can do well, first of all, to I would find make sure that they're taking care of their mental health? In the uh, secular world, because there are certain things I don't even share with a Christian counselor um, where I can... Uh, unleash my feelings uh, because there's a I'm just going to say this this way there is a thought process out there uh, in even Christian counseling called theophostic counseling which really it's it's a great thing if the Lord's moving in your life but that doesn't always answer all the questions that are going on mentally because um, I've had a bunch of people you know speak over my life for the last 20-something years, you know, and uh, some of them were spot on. Some of them uh, were cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and uh, they, <laughs> that's the truth. Um, and uh, I won't go into some of that, but um, if I would have listened to them, I would not even uh, be doing what I'm doing here today, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. But the best thing you can do is to find someone outside of your church. You cannot trust all of your church people. I would say that you probably should never share with your church people your specific, and I, I believe in transparency, don't get me wrong, but th there are certain things that you cannot and should not share with your congregation uh, because one, you lose your credibility, uh, and two, different people are at different places and maturity in their life. Uh, and I don't mean mm -hmm. just from a spiritual basis. I I mean, I know uh, that there are adults that still act like they're in adolescence, to be honest with you. And uh, I'm not going to get into the psychological viewpoint of delayed adolescence. We're actually finding that to be true in the church as well. That's why some pastors are dealing with uh, grown tail adults acting like children. Uh, and, and that's that's the truth. Uh, you're laughing at me, but it's the truth. Uh, but the best thing oh, you can— Oh, I know. <laughs> It's, it's the truth. Um, and 
I, I try to be as uh, kind and patient, exercise the fruit of the uh, the spirit, but I, I do not mind whatsoever telling people, hey, I go to somebody completely outside the church. Uh, they are a locked vault. They don't they don't know the struggles. I, I don't even share everything I go through with my wife. And the reason why I say that is I try to protect the environment for my kids. Uh, protect your family. I will say that first and foremost. I did not do a very good job of that. Uh, in my earlier years of marriage, uh, I would always share everything uh, with my spouse. And somebody would say, well, you're supposed to share everything with uh, your spouse. Well, here's the deal. There's some things that could creep into your marriage from the church that don't even need to be in your home. Those things inside your house need to be sacred. And that's where I'm going to use sacred. Uh, they need to be harmonious. And uh, you don't want to bring something inside your home that could literally cause a negative reflection on both the church and even you. Your kids are looking up to you. Uh, and, you don't want something getting out that your kids may overhear you and your spouse talking about that gives a negative reflection to somebody in the church. It's happened. Uh, I've got an older kid named uh, Joshua Isaac, and he is a sponge. He will literally go tell somebody what he feels about them. If he sees daddy being treated wrong, um, he, he will uh, use a few choice words that he's learned. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, I'll just put it like that and those are things he's learned on the bus and it's not a debate about uh, what those words are but uh, he's become very protective he's seen that uh, but make a long story short uh, you have to create a sacred environment for yourself whatever that rhythm is uh, there are certain things I share with my spouse certain things I don't uh, find somebody that is both in the secular and the Christian I kind of blend both of them uh, my counselor is uh, a, a mental health counselor. They they have a doctorate in it, um, but they are also a Christian. So he understands. He's pastored before, but he felt called to go into the secular world. And then a church ended up hiring him to do 100% of all. The pastor does not even touch one single mental health issue in the church. He deals with it all so that the pastor uh, does not have to deal with it. Every once in a while, he'll deal with spiritual issues, this pastor will, and that staff. Uh, but he predominantly deals with the counseling issues of the church that the pastor can completely focus on his family. Uh, and, and that's what I suggest. Find somebody in the community, too, that you can recommend. I actually have a particular uh, number that sometimes I will see if I can find it, uh, send people to. And this might be something for pastors if uh, they want to refer their members to this hotline. It's 24 hours a day. I believe it's actually... Uh, sponsored by the NAMI community and it's 1-800-273-TALK and there's somebody there at all times at 1-800-273-TALK that is licensed or is a professional counselor uh, that can help with mental health and uh, it has saved me uh, certain aspects of listening to even certain stories that I don't even understand uh, because I have not walked in the shoes of some other mental illnesses that I have not experienced and I'm not going to try to pretend with that. And so that is very complicated uh, response, but that's just my uh, reflection on that. 
No, that was great. Um, okay, so we've been talking about some heavy stuff. I'd like to end on a lighter note, um, kind of serious, but kind of light. Um, things that Christians should stop saying regarding mental health. Uh, Amber, let's start with you. Do you just want me to give them one at a time, or do you want me to give, me, give my all three of mine? Uh however you want to do it. All right. Well, I've got three. Um, the first one is, have you tried praying? We need to stop saying that. Like, just, just be done. (laughs) (laughs) If someone says they're having a mental health issue, do not follow up with, have you tried praying? They probably prayed more in their life than what you can imagine. Um, the second one I would say is I'll pray for you, but I want to preface this with, please don't tell me you're going to pray for me. And then you don't follow up or build a relationship with me. All that says to me is that I'm going to give you surface level lip service and basically hope that you get over it on your own. And I'm going to walk away and forget that this conversation ever happened. So there's that. And then the last one, I think we talked about this earlier is why can't you just talk to pastor? So, so so-and-so about this pastor. So-and-so is basically a therapist. Basically his therapist is not a therapist. Just like Basically, a doctor is not a doctor. So going back to what we said before, if they can help you with the spiritual issue, go. If they can point you in the direction, go for it. But do not talk to, do not recommend someone talking to a pastor unless they have true mental health background if this person is going through a true mental health concern. Okay, Lexi, what what you got for me? (laughs) I know Um, it's going to be good. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm like trying to like contain all the bad. <laughs> Don't contain it. Just let it out. The bad words. Um, oh, I'm to go for that too. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that I've heard the most as someone who openly um, shares like a lot of my story and trauma is um, that the, you know, the concept of kind of like everything happens for a reason, like, Oh, like I'm so, you know, um, God won't give you more than you can handle. Um, which is absolute trash. (laughs) I just like, I just muted like 10 bad words. Um, (laughs) it's, it's just, it's just horrible it, it, on so many levels to say that like your response to like a horrible, violent thing or really anything is like, oh, God won't give you more than you can handle um, is just so dismissive to like very real pain and hardship. And um, if anyone says that to me from now on, you will get punched in the throat. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> Um, that's where we're at with that phrase. So I'm here for it. And please, totally appropriate. People in the throat when the police roll up, you can tell them I said that you can do it. They assaulted you with their words. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so that one's a big one. And, um, the other one I hear all the time is, um, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that, or like God turns all things into good again, just like very, very dismissive. Um, 
we covered the, you know, you should pray about it. I think the other one, and this um, might not be as common now, but I know there's some, you know, there's some crazy churches out there still, but um, being asked what I open myself up to. Ooh. What music are you listening to? What movies have you been watching? Have you opened yourself up to something? Um, It's just that concept of, you know, mental health and pain comes because you caused it and it's your fault that you are going through this. So you must have done something, Mm -mm. um, which is so remarkably ignorant. And especially, and I've heard that as a survivor of um, violent crime as a child, as a child, okay? So, like, zero, like, negative points on the choice matter. Um, still hearing those phrases and, and people asking those questions. Um, just, yeah, complete and utter ignorance. Um, and it's never anyone's choice, whether something happened to you as a child or you're struggling as an adult brand new with an issue, no one chooses suffering and no one chooses crisis. Um, we all would love to just walk around joyfully happy and bliss, (laughs) um, just enjoying life carefree as ever. Um, and when that doesn't happen, it's not necessarily because you did something to deserve it no that's snaps that's huge yeah no that's uh and something that you mentioned where people are kind of bringing the blame onto you that is gaslighting let's remind folks out there that there are narcissists in the world who are going to gaslight you and let you think that you're you are in fault for having those feelings. And that is just wrong. Uh, Pastor Jordan, what you got for me? Where do I begin? <laughs> um, uh, I, I hear this a lot. Uh, you need to be stronger. You, you should be stronger. Um, I don't know how you can muster up any more strength after somebody, and I, I'm just going to be honest with you, I um, this kind of goes back a little bit to when you need to refer somebody. Do, do I have a certain skill set that I can counsel certain people? Absolutely. Um, not every pastor has that. However, um, I've dealt with situations where there has been sexual abuse within the clergy of the church, and uh, that person's not going to trust me. Okay. That person doesn't need to be told they need to be stronger. That pastor needs to have his gonads cut off. And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, making job. we'll just leave it at that. Shonda, you know, um, listen, I, I'm a little bit different with that. And uh, I have no tolerance of as a, a survivor myself of sexual abuse. Um, I just have no tolerance of it. I, I guess uh, I have great compassion for those who have it and have been through it. Um, but some people, even a ministry, have what's called the gene of the jackass. And the this particular gene, I call it, is predominant narcissistic clergy um, who want to tell their 
their friends and ministry that you just need to be a little bit stronger. Maybe if you were closer to the Lord, then then possibly you wouldn't be going through uh, the mental issues. I had no control of somebody raping me at six years old. I had no I had no control of uh, me being on staff with a, a pastor that was narcissistic that verbally abused my wife and told us how we're supposed to have intercourse. And if I didn't have intercourse that way with them, then I'm just being transparent. Okay. Listen, I, I know if anybody are. should leave the church, it's, it, it's me. Okay. If anybody who's had problems with it, it's me. And so, um, and there's other people out there. I'm just saying, uh, be stronger. My rear end. I don't know how much stronger I can be to stand up behind a pulpit and still lead a congregation and still do what I've been through, even in my own movement, and I've been treated that way. Okay, so that, that stop saying that. Stop being stronger. Um, another thing, uh, I guess I could say, is uh, you're being punished for your sins. You're being punished uh, for your one. sins. I hear this all the. You're being punished for your sins. Well, um, that's a load of crap. It's not. You're not being punished for your sins. Uh, we, we know that because mental illness sometimes can be the result of generational issues as well. Um, you may be born with a certain deposition for it. Uh, that's, that doesn't make you a sinner because you have a mental illness. Um, we live in a jacked up, screwed up world. Uh, some mental illness is the byproduct of what I think is the environment you're in. And you have no control over the family you're born in. Uh, you have no control if your parents are psychopathic. <laughs> you have no you have no control over that. That is not your fault. You did not sin against God because you have a mental issue. I'm going to say this right now. If you're a pastor or a clergy member, you did not sin against God and you got a mental illness. God is not sitting up on a mountain somewhere ready to strike you dead and give you some type of sickness or element or mental issue. That That is not a loving God. I'm sorry. It's not. And so I just want to encourage you out there, if you're dealing with that, you're not being punished by God. You have not sinned against God, and that has caused that. Jesus uh, answered the question in the Gospels. You know, someone asked the question, is it my fault or my parents' fault or my sins that have caused this? And uh in the paraphrased version, Jesus says, no, <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, and so I want to encourage you on that level uh, to think about that. Uh, and then uh, finally, I, I want to say that you're not a disappointment to God because you're dealing with mental illness. You're not a disappointment with God. You, you can you can use uh, spirituality as an avenue to you can pray. Yes, it helps with anxiety. Uh, I, I don't think it's the cure-all for everything like we've talked about. Um, however, I, I would say uh, you're not a disappointment to God if you're dealing with this. I've heard this in the church, you're a disappointment. We're just going to write you off. Uh, we have people in, in our church, which I can't name them for confidentiality purposes, but they are psychopaths. They, they, they're, they are certified crazy. And um, and you can try to sit there all day long and uh, tell them how disappointed you are in them. It won't work. I promise you. Uh, what you can say to them is, hey, 
I just want to show her with you the areas that you're being successful in. I think encouraging people in the areas that you see that are productive goes a lot further than the areas that they're not being productive in. And so um, I guess those are stigmas. Those are things that we have to, uh, I, I guess, kind of stop saying in the church uh, words that we can't. We need to replace our vocabulary, I guess is a better word of saying. The church needs a complete vocabulary change uh, in the field of mental illness, a complete vernacular change. want to say thanks again to our panelists for sharing such valuable information with us. And I want to thank you out there listening for joining us on the Touchy Subjects podcast. Make sure you tune into our next episode where we talk about deconstruction. We're going to have several panelists tell their personal stories about what they are unpacking as it pertains to their beliefs. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk Touchy Subjects. Thanks again for listening. Have a good one.